Hey guys, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji here. A couple months back, we did a project management roundtable with some of our highest performing Breakthrough Academy members to discuss how revamping their project management infrastructure has helped them enjoy faster projects, more profit, and way less stress, all of which are good things. So if the project management in your business currently feels chaotic, unsystemized, whatever, and you wanna learn how to fix it, this episode is a really good place to start. It features Andrew Spear, a high-performance home builder in Summerland, BC, who's used project management systems to scale from an anxiety-ridden 2.6 million in 2021 to being on trend for a smooth and profitable 7 million in 2023. It also features Chris Collins of Royal Heating and Air Conditioning, a third-generation commercial HVAC contractor in Willoughby, Ohio, who's used project management systems to modernize his business and boost his blended gross profit north of 40%. This was originally delivered as a web class with video and slides. So if you want the full experience, move on over to YouTube. If you're in the car though, you're listening to this at the gym, you just got an AirPod in or whatever, it'll still totally make sense with just audio only. By the way, there is a resource bundle which includes a lot of the project management systems discussed to download that for free. Click the link in the description. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Secrets of $10 Million Contractors Project Management Tips for Summer of 2023. My name is Benji. I'm joined by three amazing guests today. We've got Chris Collins, Andrew Spear, Michael Gogan. Give us a wave, guys. How are you? We'll get to your intros in just two seconds. Uh, for those of you just kind of logging in right now, um, find the chat box on the right side of your interface say hi let us know two things where you're from what part of uh north america or beyond you are from and then what kind of business you run so just find that chat box uh put in a quick uh, put in a quick sentence or two there want to make sure you can hear me and see me um and i'd love to know who's here there's 214 right now i think we'll probably climb up over the next couple minutes as the late stragglers get here so um Hello, Robert, Jamie, Jordan, Bryce, Jim, Chad, Cody, Jacob. Good to see everyone. A lot of J names today. Cool. Um, all right. So this session, guys, we're really, really lucky to uh, be able to like put these on. What we do with these roundtables um, is between us here at Breakthrough Academy and our dear friends at Company Cam, uh, who have also helped promote and put on this event, we're able to just like have access to some really high performing contractors to speak to a uh, to a specific subject matter. And today it's all about project management. We want to talk about how to get through projects faster, more profitably, with fewer hiccups, with better communication, with happier customers. Um, for those of you who have been in business for any time at all, you know that money loves speed meaning the faster you can get through work, the better your business is at the end of the year. So we, and instead of just me kind of like rambling about this for an hour, these roundtables are structured slightly different. So we, we have our guests on today, Michael, Andrew, and Chris, 
to speak to this in a very free-flowing, conversational fashion. We've got some questions prepped that we're going to explore as a group. Uh, we've got some resources put together that we're going to make available to you. And the hope is by the end of this, you've got a clearer picture around what it is you need to improve in your business. And you have a couple uh, a couple goodies from the goodie bag we're going to send you home with that'll make that easier. So that's the plan for the next 90 minutes. Uh, we will take a quick pause around the hour mark to get you guys those resources. So there's going to be sort of a 55-minute block here at the beginning. We'll do a quick break to get you the resources, but then stay tuned because we will not be finished the full conversation at that one-hour mark. There'll be about 30 minutes left uh, of Q&A. So that's the plan. Uh, as I mentioned a second ago, we have um, a ton of cool stuff to make available. There's all sorts of stuff we're going to show on screen. There's going to be like a GSR. Uh, there's going to be a GSR doc for a project manager. There's going to be employment agreements. Uh, there, there's going to be a uh, a communication plan, a project status update tool. Company Cam has put together some great stuff for us. So when we kind of go through these things, we've put them all into sort of a Google Drive file that will get you a link for at that 60 minute 60 minute mark. Um, and my advice to you would be to take this stuff home and use it. This is, we put a lot of time and effort and money into this. And uh, it's what our, like our actual members, you know, uh, pay us to have access for. So don't tell them. Um, but this is just our way of saying thanks for being here. Uh, and we, we want to make this, uh, we want to make this as useful as possible. So quick agenda. We're going to do a bit of a run through of who's here. We'll get to our guests in just a second. We'll get into the roundtable discussion shortly after. We'll get to those free resources around the 60-minute mark. You can as well, should you feel like it, book a one-on-one -on -one strategy session with us to talk through this in a little more depth. So we're going to talk today, but if you want to flip the script and you talk and just have a bit of event sesh, do kind of like a therapy a therapy session for business owners with us and talk about your project management systems or anything else for that matter, you can book that call with us. Uh, we'll get you a, a scheduling link. It'll make it really, really easy uh, around the time we do those resources. Then we'll move on to an open forum Q&A. So if you have questions, that's a good reminder. If you have questions throughout this talk, just like post them in the chat, post them in the questions box. Um, Aaron on our team is sort of behind the scenes collecting those. If it makes sense to hit it really quickly, we will in the moment it comes up. More often than not, though, it's something that um, that we'll circle back to near the end. So please do use the chat box for questions. We are paying attention to them, and we will get back to them. Paul Page, good to see you. Sean Canada, good to see you. A lot of familiar faces and names. Um, okay, so let's get to our amazing guests. Uh, I will really quickly just say, hi, guys. I'm Benji. I'm with Breakthrough Academy. Um, work on the marketing team here. I host our podcast, Contract Revolution, uh, if any of you have listened to that. Uh, and we have three amazing guests who we're going to hear a bunch from here uh, in a minute. So, Chris, can we start with you? Tell us about you. Tell us about Royal Heating and Air Conditioning. Yeah, so I'm the uh, the general manager and owner of Royal Heating and Air Conditioning. Uh, we are a commercial industrial heating and air contractor. Uh, our company was founded in 1979 by my grandfather. So we're a family business through and through. Uh, my dad took over the company in 1989. And here I am, you know, working with my dad on a daily basis uh, as third generation. And our company's broken down where 50% um, of our revenue comes from service. 
and 50% of our revenue comes from project work. And project work for us can mean one or two day projects, or it can mean multi-week, multi-month, multi-year construction work. Wow. So a huge range of jobs that you guys tackle from like, like service calls all the way to like large, you know, multi-month, even multi-year projects that need to be done. Yep. Our guys can be on site for, you know, 30 minutes to fix somebody's air conditioner or, you know, two years to build a building. Crazy. As you guys can see too, on that bottom bullet point, like Chris is trending to have a super healthy growth profit this year. What we'll talk about today um, uh, as it pertains to project management is obviously playing a huge role in some of those numbers. So looking forward to diving into that uh, in a few minutes. And thank you for the bio, Chris. Andrew, let's hear from you. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, so I'm the owner operator at uh, Red Stag Contracting. Uh, we started in 2011, small contractor, small scope, framing, uh, kind of classic guy and a dog and a truck and a skill saw. Uh, fast forward quite a few years now. Um, we're in the South o Okanagan and BC here, and we're primarily a new home construction, do a little bit of commercial work. Um, most of our revenues, 90% of it is through our construction and contracting, and about 10% of that comes from our design and millwork. We have millwork shop as well. What kind of dog makes the best crewmate, in your opinion? Oh, you got me. Uh, I've had both ends of the spectrum, so I'm going to say Blue Healer. That was uh, my company dog for a long time, but uh, they bite a lot of people. So <laughs> They are a little nippy. Depends yeah. on how friendly you want to be, yeah. Wicked smart, but nippy. We have bulldogs. I don't think that they'd be much use on a site. Barely yeah. understand the difference between inside and outside. They take two years to puppy train. Probably not the best crewmate. Um, thanks, Andrew. And uh, what's cool too is Andrew's literally just like right down the road for me. I, I probably should have driven over there and we could have done this together. Uh, same neck of the woods, which is kind of cool because we're all over North America and Andrew's uh, a neighbor more or less. Um, Michael, not a neighbor in Lincoln. Tell us about you. Tell us about company cam. Let's just get a quick, uh, quick intro on you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Michael with company cam, uh, I've been with company cam almost seven years now. Um, so been a while done a lot of different roles within the company. Um, company cam at the highest level is a job site documentation communication tool. Uh, so photos, videos, notes that you're taking on job sites. And really what we've done for contractors is make that super easy for it to be, you know, a window into the field. So everything you're doing from a documentation standpoint in the field goes straight to the cloud and is accessible throughout your, your business in real time. We um, love company cam, which is why we do these events together. Uh, I've had the good fortune of hanging out with Gogan and, and, and Luke and Claire and a bunch of people at the company cam team over the years. If you, I'll just say this, if you are kind of like tired of like WhatsApping photos to people and your photo reel is full of like job site photos and gunk and it's super disorganized and you just want like visual first job site communication made easy, um, company cam is absolutely, uh, like our one of our favorite tools and platforms out there. And we, we advocate it's used to nearly all of our members. So uh, definitely check it out. We'll talk about company cam a little bit more later. So a couple other just like setup slides here. I'll be very brief and then we'll get into this round table. I just want to set up the conversation that follows with this kind of simple idea of 
two stages of entrepreneurship, if you will. There's kind of this like grassroots level, which is very messy. It's all um, blood, sweat, and tears. It is exciting because you're growing fast and you're kind of figuring things out. It's also pretty um, anxiety-ridden and at moments really not fun. You're doing everything from the hip. Um, and uh, and so mo most, most business owners, when they get to that stage, while they're enjoying elements of it, there's a really clear thought in their mind that they want to get to that next stage. Let's just say for this conversation, we'll call that enterprise level where it's, it's really controlled, results are stable, quite predictable, reliable year to year. You're able to forecast things effectively. You're mostly out of the operations. Um, you've got financial controls in place. You have SOPs in place that govern the way work, work gets finished on your job sites. And while it's maybe a little less exciting, it's way more sustainable because your business is systemized to a point uh, that you can actually enjoy it and, and not be attached to it every second of every day. So that growth zone thing in the middle, that is where Breakthrough Academy lives. That is where Company Cam lives. Like we exist to help business owners move through that growth zone, which can be scary and daunting um, and, and, and slow, actually. Uh, so we help business owners move move through that growth zone as quickly as possible and with a support network, with the tools they need. And project management, this this conversation we're having today is a fundamental part of moving through that. And that's why we want to uh, get into it with, with Chris and, and Andrew. So a couple quick things. You know you're in the right place if projects are over budget um, and, and time. If things are, you know, you, your projected profit is, lots, uh, is a lot larger than your actual profit. You, you know, you kind of allocate a few, maybe let's say three months to get a, to get a project complete. And it's not uncommon for that three month project to take five months. Um, if your project managers, like if you actually have a, one person or a team of project managers in your business and they just seem stressed out, they're kind of red in the face, they're frustrated, they're venting a lot. It feels like they are just firefighters all the time. Um, and it, the other sort of telltale sign is if your relationships really deteriorate with your clients, particularly towards the end of the job. If you're kind of like hanging around, hoping you get a check, but nervous to ask for it. It's a huge punch list of things to do. And clients feel kind of grumbly because it took longer and cost more. And you're feeling maybe underappreciated because they don't understand how hard it was. You get the picture. If that resonates with you, you are 100% in the right place. And uh, we hope that this conversation answers some questions and shed some light on that stuff. I want to hear from you guys in the chat box one more time before we dive in. What is your biggest challenge in your business? So I just gave you sort of some high level, maybe red flags, but be specific about you and your situation. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to project management? Let us know in the chat box, please. I'll give you a second or two to type. And um, okay, so let's have a look. Work, workload and hiring, field techs, communicating with the, with the office staff scheduling, hiring, again, communication between field and billing, no SOPs, training my PMs for custom luxury remodels, timeline creep, yeah, material delays, that's a big one. <clears throat> okay, so everyone has something. There's probably like, if we were to distill this down, there's probably like, I don't know, six or seven really common themes in here accountability, hiring the right people, training the right people, communicating between the field and the office, communicating with clients, et cetera. Might be a few more that I'm missing. Net, net, guys, I want you to keep that sentence or that 
that pain point that you put in the chat box. Uh, someone just said interior designers. Uh, put, take, take that 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 pain point that you put in the chat box and just keep it super front of mind today. Maybe even jot it on a notepad beside your your laptop or whatever you're watching this on. Because I, I can virtually guarantee we will hit something that delivers some value in that area. So without further ado, I'm gonna let's let's maybe hear less from me and more from you guys. I'm gonna pitch the questions and set this up. And uh, we're just gonna enter into this roundtable discussion now. You guys ready? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Ready. Okay, so we'll open with Chris. Um, what does your evolution story look like? And we're talking about project management specifically within within Royal. Like, what what is the evolution story from maybe messy and disorganized to where it is now, Chris? Yeah. So when I I got to Royal, I I graduated from Xavier University, and I came to Royal and worked in the field for my dad uh, to continue our family business. And we really didn't have any project systems. My dad had built himself a great lifestyle business. So he got the business to the point where he was very comfortable. Uh, he had control over everything he needed to, and he made a great life for him and my mom and me and my brother. So when I came to work at Royal, I wanted to you know, throw a little fuel on the fire. I wanted to grow the business. I wanted to uh, create more profits, hire more people. And one of the ways that uh, was path of least resistance for me to do that was to start bidding bigger and bigger projects. So everybody's been there you, as a as a subcontractor. I get emails on a daily basis from GCs wanting me to bid projects. So uh, the opportunity was there and I took it and we started bidding bigger projects uh, to grow the company. And as we did that, we learned about building our systems. So uh, because we didn't have any of the systems, we kind of learned the hard way what those pain points were and we built them along the way. Mm -hmm. Did you... Um did you really start to feel the burn when you expanded the scope of project that you were willing to take on? Like, is that, is that when you maybe first started to notice it? Yeah. So my dad did those one, two day projects mostly. Yeah. And I started expanding into these bigger projects, these multi-week, multi-month projects. And when you don't have those systems in place, it really puts pressure on your team and your staff uh, mm -hmm. and makes it very difficult to bring the project in successfully Mm-hmm. Any advice for uh it's just a quick aside on like father-son businesses or mother-daughter, mother-son, father-son, whatever, like let's just say parent offspring businesses. <laughs> I know we didn't prep this, but yeah, I guarantee there's 285 people here. I guarantee there's 30 at least who are either working in their dad's business or they're or they have a or they have a, a kid working inside their business. Any advice for taking over the reins in a family in a family business like that? Yeah, I think family business gets a bad rap sometimes because you hear about uh, families fighting and people not getting along. Uh, but in reality, you know, the best thing ever is to work with my dad and my brother also works with our company. So my advice is, you know, you got to keep it light and keep it fun, separate, you know, work and family. Don't get around the Thanksgiving dinner table and, you know, talk about projects. You should have good enough systems in place that you don't have to do that, that you can put the projects away when you come to the dinner table. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, and it sounds cheesy, but we all love each other, you know, and that mm -hmm. comes first. And that's a core value of our company, family first. And we push that through 
you know, to our employees, our vendors, our customers, if we don't, if we have a customer or a general contractor, we don't like working for because they don't exhibit that family first value, we'll fire them. They're not worth doing business with. So I think if you, if you believe it and you live it, it'll work out. I, um, I just had this really great guest on the podcast. This will be very brief, but uh, this is like he's a family enterprise specialist. And he advises like family businesses on succession planning, strategic planning, like how to operate as a family and a business entity. And I, I learned this data point, which I'll just share. 85% of businesses globally, 85% are family businesses. Mm-hmm. And on average, an average business, a non-family business lasts 12 years. Family businesses last on average 24 years. So it's just like most people are doing family business. Most of them are actually more successful, not less successful. I think there are moments when it feels maybe stress-ridden and, and oh, this would be so much easier if my if my mom wasn't my boss or whatever. But um, anyway, that podcast comes out in a few weeks. It's really interesting to learn a little bit about how to do that well. Um, okay, I, I digress. Andrew, let's hear from you like – uh, with Red Stag, you know, early days, Red Healer in the truck with a skill saw to now, how has your uh, project management evolution story happened? Sure. So early on, similar to Chris, I mean, my scope of work on projects was small. You know, it was quite easy to manage on by myself with one or two employees, you know, maybe running one or, you know, one and a half jobs at a time, a little bit of overlap. So that was quite doable. What we found was that over time, uh, we were getting a lot of business coming in that we wanted to take on. So we wanted to increase capacity and, and, uh, we sort of put the cart before the horse. So we're getting bigger projects. The scope of work's changing much higher level detailing and execution required and, uh, no systems in place to do that other than my own wherewithal. Mm. Um, so that was, a that was sort of the, the TSN turning point really was, uh, we had a, a very large project, um, multi-million dollar build. It ended up lasting uh, three years. Uh, there was a lot lost. Um, we had a horrible net uh, profit on that job, a uh, big learning curve. And, and what I realized was not only do we need to have a team in place to manage these builds with me, um, but also some systems for those team players because ultimately uh, hiring people and then not really giving them uh, the tools to manage the jobs effectively. You're basically just hiring people to run around and do errands for you. Mm-hmm. And, and initially that's what I had done. Mm-hmm. While I realize it's probably like whenever we talk to entrepreneurs in Breakthrough Academy and we're talking about a topic, like whether it's hiring or it's project management or something else, like there's often this, you know, everyone's like, because everyone's humble and real. They're just like, you know, I just want to be super clear. Like, it's not perfect. Like, it's not like I still have stuff to work on. And like, so assuming that that's true, like I realize it's probably there's things that you would like to improve within your system. Can you maybe just speak to the improvement? And and you know how like in some commercials, it'll be like a before and after photo. Like what's the before and after photo of your business life? Maybe, you know, six, seven years ago versus now. And I know the after photo is not like, 100% stress three stress free and, and and perfect every single day but how has it improved yeah absolutely i mean i think you know bad pun you hit the nail on the head but um it's not a perfect life we're definitely it's an evolving uh process but uh, not even 6 7 years ago even 2 3 years ago i was working 
probably 80% more hours than I am now, uh, missing a lot of details. Um, our net uh, profit revenue at the end of the year was somewhere in the two to 4% range. Uh, mm -hmm. We're sort of tracking for uh, 10 to 12% now. So big difference there. Um, and our, and our annual revenue, we went from 2 million to around 4 million and now uh, over eight just in the last two years. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the revenue is based on capacity, but that capacity is based on uh, being able to still provide good value and, and capture all the, the things that I was missing working by myself. So yeah, just in a day-to-day -day life, I mean, part of the thing with project management is that if you hire good managers and train them well, you can rely on their strengths. So the guys that I have working in my office have a different skill set than I do and they excel in other areas. So we rely heavily on each other to, you know, provide the best value to our clients and, uh, and you know, they shore you up. So you've got a support team. That's what it's really about. Good support. I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't have built the system out. Yeah. I know. Um, when we were having lunch the other day, you were talking a lot about like you have such an awesome team and you're super blessed to have like really good, like a really good roster, even in the small town you're in. So I think later on, guys, for those of you watching at home, we will we will dive into like profile of good project manager, what to look for, what to avoid, all that stuff. You mentioned the profit thing just really quickly. Um, we did some research on this and I'm not going to cite my sources cause I can't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, but this, these are, this is legit data. The average contractor in North America makes between like their net profit at the end of the year is between negative two and 4% a year. So you were right in that range. And at BTA, I would say like our, what we consider like good is like 10 and then 12 is getting better. And then in the teens and, and, and above is getting really, really good. So in a few few minutes, we'll talk about sort of how this affects the the bottom line and and really make the case for how project management is maybe I would say highly correlated. In fact, the cause of better net profit, especially in construction and trades. But um, I want to go back to Chris for a sec with this next question. And um, and what was what was the catalyst for change in project management? Was there a moment, was there a time, was there a day, a week, whatever, where you were like, man, this has to change? Yeah, there was a project that changed us, Benji. And um, so I bid a, uh, a four-story apartment complex, new construction. Uh, I wasn't awarded the project originally, but then uh, was awarded after the initial HVAC contractor couldn't perform the work. So we were thrown on site and... Uh, the, the project schedule had already happened. You know, everybody was ready to go boots on the ground. And I didn't realize that the general contractor had changed their schedule. So we were supposed to build the building rough in first floor, second floor, third floor, fourth, and finish down. And what it changed to was rough in first, finish first, all the way up the, uh, up the building. And as a mechanical contractor, our systems run up and down. Right. So it was very difficult for us to hit the schedule and it put a huge strain on our resources. So what we ended up doing is, um, you know, we were working 60 hours a week. I was working nights and weekends. I just had uh, my first son was born. So I wasn't present at home. I was on the job site. And by the time we finished and we put all the bills in and, uh, you know, totaled up the hours, we had a negative gross margin on the project. We'd lost about $150,000. And it scared me from doing projects ever again. Huh. That's I was so pretty gnarly. 
Yeah. I was trauma. I still am traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, young, young family, uh, small baby, 80 hours a week. What, what, maybe talk a little bit like the draw on the resources. Can you speak to the, you talk about like what that was like for you personally, what was it like for the team? How did that, I mean, I can sort of picture, but maybe you can, you can fill in the details, like the effect on cash flow, like over the course of those months, like just talk about the resource draw that that moment had for the team. Yeah. So the first big resource draw was, um, was labor, labor hours. So the fact that we had been brought in after the fact means I didn't have the planning in place or the time to hire people to add to the job. So my A crews were already on other work. So as, uh, we got into this project. I was doing it with, you know, half the amount of people I should have been if I had the proper time to, uh, to hire people and get going on the project. Um, and, and part of it too, is that, um, you know, it was prevailing wage rate for us. So we're a non-union contractor. So my guys were paid a fixed rate, which was higher than normal. So we had a huge cash outlay for the project. So cash flow was down our billing systems were messed up because I was the one billing jobs at the time and I was on site. So it, it really drained, you know, our materials from the shop. We lost inventory, lost cash flow, and didn't have people in the right spots causing our guys to work an absolute ton of hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you reflect back on that specific chapter was there, can you, can you um, distill it down to like one or two root causes? I understand things were unsystemized, but with that moment, what, 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 I mean, I, I, the GC yep. kind of changed things on you, but what could you have had in place that would have avoided that at the time? Yeah. So the biggest thing is I was super excited to grow and I was excited to say yes to this big project. You know, we'd never built a project like this before and I should have come in and I should have said, stop, this isn't how we bid this, but I was too proud, too excited and too inexperienced to make that call. Right. Little bit of a yes, man. Absolutely, <laughs> I love sales, and uh, you know, this when the salesperson comes out in project management, you have trouble. <laughs> right, um, Andrew. What about you? Catalyst for change with project management. Was there a moment for you with Red Stag story? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, to back it up two seconds, I see a lot of questions in the chat there about the the. the percentage of profit margin. She just mentioned like we're a cost plus contractor primarily um, custom home. And I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but very high level detailing and execution. So we're out in the spec home game. Um, we don't produce uh, even close to the same home twice. So it's, it's a very different than what maybe a lot of people here are expecting. So, um, but beyond that, yeah, um, I realized I had built a home that was, you know, worthy of dwell magazine, you know, we had spent a couple million dollars on a, an absolutely stunning property. Uh, and every single one of my guys hated that job. They hated having to go back there. Um, it took us three years to complete it and we basically made no money. Uh, so it was like a, a real, uh, it was a, a big turning point to understand like we either have to change how we're doing things or it just wasn't worth doing anymore uh, because we had sort of gotten to the, what I, you know, perceived as the pinnacle of the projects that we could do, but um, it felt like if we can't do it better than this, then then where else is there to go? This wasn't any room. Yeah. Did you did you mention um, how how long how long was that project scheduled to take? How long did it actually take time wise? 
Yeah, we expected that project to take around 16 to 18 months. Um, it was almost three years by the time it was complete. There was a bit of a waiting period in there um, with some changes and um, sort of red tape with some municipal stuff. But even that could have been managed much better with project management ahead of time to foresee the issue. So yeah, like the, the speed that we moved to that revenue was brutal and all the while increasing our overhead while we're doing it. So it was sort of a double whammy there. So your guys were eager to get off that site three years yeah. later. Yeah, poor guys. Um, Gogan, question for you, man. Like when you look at this from the company cam standpoint, um, it's like very broad aggregate perspective. I don't know how many thousands of users you guys have. What kind of chatter do you hear from uh, from your users before using company cam, before getting better at this? Is it, is it sort of aligned with what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think the biggest thing, like hearing both of these stories is that that communication loop that solid documentation can kind of, you know, eliminate and whether it be Chris's, you know, um, maybe underbidding or, you know, having some issues with the bidding, like I'm going to guess at that point in time, because Chris wasn't using company cam at that point in time, I'm going to guess that, you know, some solid processes in that initial, you know, inspection and walkthrough and those kind of things could have maybe helped eliminate some of those things. And same with Andrew's like, you know, a job 16 to 18 uh, months taking the 36 range, um, just that communication loop and being able to, you know, dial down that communication gap is, is a big thing. And we hear it all the time, um, you know, where you're able to, whether it be leveraging a checklist so you don't miss anything on that initial bid um, or maybe, you know, using checklists during the project to make sure that our punch list items aren't piling up and those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. We'll, we'll get to some of the documentation in a few minutes here and, and share what, what we've built at BTA, what, uh, what Andrew and Chris have implemented uh, in their businesses. I want to touch on something that I think is important to spell out very clearly here at the beginning because I, um, a lot of our newer Breakthrough Academies don't fully like get this until they get it and then they really get it. And that is the idea that um, your, your overhead does not care how much revenue you do this month meaning you need to cram as much sales, as much revenue through that overhead as you can. And project management is what allows you to do that. A shorter, more catchy way of saying it is money loves speed. Andrew, can you talk a little bit about your own learning curve on this concept? Like how do your PM systems impact the bottom line? Yeah, that was a big revelation for us was, um, I mean, BTA, we talk a lot about KPIs and uh, key, key performance indicators. So for us, the number one is how fast we move through the revenue. Um, and that can be really difficult with really custom jobs where there's constant changes, additions to scope of work. Um, there's a lot of different drawing packages that are coming in, so many trades to manage. So that, that's really challenging. Um, good communication is everything on that. So. Prior to, we started working in Builder Trend. Uh, that was a, a big investment. Um, and that has allowed us to keep all of our communication through one outlet. So uh, it's a good 
uh, relationship tool with the clients. They're they're getting daily updates on what's going on, and we also manage all of our change orders. Our RFIs are going through there. Um, that's been massive, um, and it's on the tail end of all that. We've seen that the revenue is being produced much quicker. So we knew that we needed to do that. Um, we didn't have really a really strategic goal in how to do that. Um, but once we started getting a good project management system together and cleaner communication, like uh, Mike was talking about, um, that's when we realized we're, we're actually, where we saw it was the scheduling. We built out these schedules for the jobs and we were hitting uh, milestones much earlier than expected, um, which initially presented a problem because we were scrambling to keep other work behind it and keep all of our crew running. Um, but now we know that, um, we're moving through these jobs a lot quicker, which is absolutely massive for your overall profitability. Mm -hmm. And it also allows us to take on some jobs that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to take on, which is nice because nobody wants to turn down really high level jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like for you, it's, it's so interesting. Like you're building it, like you're building really high performance homes. And like you said earlier, nothing is sort of replicated or, uh, there's, there's not a ton that you can duplicate project to project. I mean, of course, there's there's systems and procedures that are that are the same <clears throat> customer to customer. But as far as the actual blueprint and the scope of work, it's it's kind of one off every time. And so it's very easy for those things to go kind of pear shaped and slow way down, whether that be change orders, weather, weather, supply chain, whatever. But through the stuff we're going to talk about in a sec, you've really found a way to to keep those as close to what was estimated as possible. And that's obviously had a huge uh, trickle down effect on your net. Chris, same question to you. How, how, do, how do project management systems impact your bottom line? Yeah. So I went back through and looked at our financials and uh, from 2016 through 2020, our blended gross margin. So service and jobs uh, combined was somewhere between 28 and 32% every year. Um, so we joined BTA. We've put a lot of effort into systems uh, since 2020. Uh, in 2022, our gross margin blended was 39%. And this year, we're going to do about 43%. And then to the to speaking to the bottom line, you know, our profit margin in those 2016 to 2020 years was about that 4% range that you were talking about uh, in the beginning is kind of an average area. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, now we're in the, you know, 10 to 12% uh, pure profit range. And, and one of the things that I it makes it easy with that is when we did that big project, I really wanted to hire a project manager after we were done because I saw the need. But when you don't have margin, you don't have the room to hire the project manager. So having the systems in place, you know, to increase the margin has allowed us the flexibility to hire the people that we need to hire for a successful business. Where do you come down on that? Um, on that question, should I hire a project manager first, or should I build project management systems first, and then put and then put the person inside of them? People have varying opinions on this. What's what's yours, Chris? Yeah. So my opinion is, um, I think you can do it either way. But if you're going to hire the project manager first, you need to hire somebody that has the systems already from prior experience that they can bring yeah. to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that really narrows your field of who you're going to hire. So I'd much rather hire for culture fit, you know, who are you as a person and bring them into our systems and have just as much success. And again, I think you can do it either way, but um, for our company and our culture, I'd much rather uh, bring the systems and then hire the person into it. Cool. Yeah. Wider, wider talent pool to choose from. Absolutely. Um, 
Gogan, what, what do you want to weigh in on this? Yeah, I was just going to say one thing I would add. I love Chris's answer there. I was nodding, but um, to me, your system, your process, they're never, they're never like finished, if that makes sense. You're always iterating on them. And so I think you have to have that framework of a system and a process. I think, like Chris said, you hire to your culture. Um, those are the people that you're going to retain uh, long term anyway. Um, you could you could hire somebody that's got a ton of experience, but if they don't fit your culture, they're a temporary fix. They're a Band-Aid solution. And so I think like that's that's great. Have at least the framework of the process, the structure in place, hire in. And then I, I think it's a great way to, you know, empower your your team as well is to say, hey, part of the culture here is that, you know, we value your input. And so that you're continually evolving that process um mm-hmm. the other thing too is that that's that really experienced project manager that you brought in to you know essentially teach your business how to do things uh can leave and often they do if you build the infrastructure yourself that that doesn't kind of depart the same way a, a, a person does um okay so let's let's dive into core pm systems for each of you chris i'll start with you um you know whether this is like GSR rhythms, project status updates, how you use technology to update clients, I don't know, uh, whip tracking, whatever. Like you what what for for Royal, what are the core project management systems that have really moved the needle for you guys? Yeah. So the ones that have really moved the needle for us are born out of our our big pain points. And I saw a lot of people mention the same pain points that we have uh, in the beginning of the, the webinar. But communication both to the customer, to the and to and from the vendor, and to and from the field, scheduling, quality at the end of the project, and getting paid on time were some of our biggest pain points. So, we've built a number of systems around those those items. So I've got five of them written down here. I want to roll through real quick, and some of them are very simple, um, and some are a little more complex. But our project management starts in the pre-job process with estimating. So. We have um, a job sales pipeline that we work with to understand, you know, where our estimates are coming from and what jobs we're getting accepted. Once we have those jobs accepted, uh, we're immediately creating a job materials list that our project coordinator can order uh, to get information for the job. Once those materials are ordered, we can then communicate to our customer Um to when the schedule is. And we have that schedule on a whiteboard in our office so our entire team can see it. So when the customer calls and asks a question, they're not waiting for Chris to call them back. Anybody in the office can check the whiteboard. You know, this project is what we have coming up. Uh, That's really been a game changer for us for visibility for for our entire staff uh, and our customers. But that way we get all the material staged in advance, uh, which has been huge for us. Mm -hmm. The second one is... um, is data and tracking. So in the past, when we did projects, we costed out projects with, you know, a yellow piece of notebook paper, paper service tickets, invoices that came in the mail and got shoved in a folder. And then on the 15th of the following month, we'd add it all up and see where the project uh, finished off. So we uh, started using our our CRM as Field Edge. So the guys are logging in, in and out every day. And we're um, incentivizing that through Automate, Motivate. And our office staff, the minute we get a bill from a vendor is putting it onto the job. 
So we get a pretty live look at where we stand on a project and having that information enables you to make different decisions as you go forward. Mm -hmm. um, the third one I have here is just simply, I have a, a block schedule and one of my blocks on Monday morning at 9 a.m. is to communicate to my office manager what projects finished last week. So even if we haven't fully costed them into the books or put in a work in progress uh, into our, our QuickBooks, Lauren can get the bill out to the customer so we can get paid faster. And we're not waiting until the 15th of the month of the following month to send a bill when we realize there's an empty progress in the books. We're getting the bill out right away. And I think that's really important. You know, a timely invoice is going to get paid faster. Mm -hmm. uh, the fourth one on here is foreman at four calls. So my foreman uh, call me at four o'clock every day. We discuss what they need for the next day. We discuss uh, materials, where they are on the project. And, uh, you know, your phone call moves faster than your truck does. We used to do this by driving to the job site every day. And it's way faster and more efficient to do a phone call. Um, I, I love all that. I, there's a lot of things we could dive into. The, um, you know, getting off of paper and adopting technology oh, yeah. to have data more quickly at your fingertips rather than that really slow leg. I mean, I, even, even I'm impressed that you were able to do it the 15th of the next month. I mean, even that's, even that's disciplined. A lot of people are way slower than that. Um, four minute four talks are awesome. And then that job sales pipeline, it, it, the next slide, we'll actually do a little show and tell. I want to show, um, our audience what it is you, you've built. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, we Andrew, the, sorry. sorry, the, the last ahead, one I ahead. wanted to mention is, uh, yeah. we are, we did sign up with company cam and we're going to use company cam for daily reports that we can share with, uh, the general contractor or the end user so they can see pictures, videos, and a written report of what we've done. So, that's both going to be a quality check for us because, you know, we tell the guys don't do anything you wouldn't want put on the front page of the newspaper and we're putting it on the front page of the newspaper for our customer now. Right. So that's going to make a big difference for us as we roll, roll through. So we just signed up with them about 30 days ago and look forward to get that rolling. Wicked. Um, Andrew, what are, what are your core project management systems? Yeah, we roll a lot of it through, Builder trend. Um, so one of the biggest ones that we've had um, is the daily log. So what we've seen, one of the biggest breakdowns with our field is the communication from office to site and back, uh, getting that information there quickly and accurately and having a database to store it. So with the daily logs, um, our site supers are, they're telling us they got half a dozen photos on there. Who's been on site, any problems they encountered much like the phone call that Chris makes at four o'clock with his foreman. Um, and then through that, our clients are also, you know, getting an update every day. Even this morning, we we're reviewing some photos from a daily log from yesterday. And we noticed uh, a minor issue with some under slab plumbing. That was some photos taken. So one of the PMs was able to jump on a phone call and get a hold of the site super before that was backfilled. Uh, whether or not that would have caused an issue down the line, who knows, but it was sort of cheap insurance yeah. for that. Um, that's the, that's the biggest part. And then through builder trend, we've also really upped our game in the estimating and there's sort of twofold in that one accurate costing is always the biggest, you know, issue I feel for most builders these days, especially with escalating job costs and, um, subcontractor costing. So, we have a much better understanding of how we put all those numbers together. It's broken out very clearly for us and for our clients to view. And then 
because of that, we're able to jump into breaking out the jobs into smaller details. So um, prior to running everything in one place, you know, we were doing this on notepads and full size old school drawings on a plan table and, and just, you know, take off after takeoff. Now we have all that in one area. So that's been pretty huge for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it really boils down to the good communication going to the site. So typically our site supers call with a question more than often um, our project managers have already got that solution figured out. Um, it's something that, you know, gets mentioned a lot is what's the difference between a site super and a project manager. But I think the PMs are so much more heavily involved on the front end of the job. It's, it's our job to get this in all the details and everything figured out before the job starts so that everything's executed cleanly. And of course it's construction. There's going to be some changes on the fly. You're going to have to be able to make, you know, have some good problem solving, find some solutions, but the idea is to have as much of that uh, figured out. And, you know, I say on paper, but basically in a digital place where it can be accessed by multiple people quickly, including our trades. Um, I see it every day. If I do a site visit, a trades asking a question, one of my PMs will pull up their phone, pull up the app and they've got all the documents in there. Um, It gets referred to multiple times a day. So that's been, that's been our biggest uh, advantage. Any other, any other favorite features inside builder trend that you get a lot of um, leverage out of save a lot of headaches from, I mean, it's a big platform and not, not, I mean, it's very rare that everyone is like, I use builder trend 100% of the time I get maximized its capacity. I think that's pretty rare. So usually people have like a list of favorites, like anything else that you get a ton of utility out of from that specific tool. Yeah, the change orders feature for us is huge. In, in cost plus contracting, uh, I think change orders sort of get a, a bad rap or, or people think that they don't need to track them because, well, it's cost plus, they're, they're making changes, they change the scope, we're going to charge them for it. Um, but what we found is even when you're giving people updates, they don't track where that budget is going to end up at the end of the project. So by using change orders, even if it is line item with your standard markup, uh, or it is a, a set cost, you're able to look at the end of the job and see, show, uh, you know, the clients and also for us to review, like there were, you know, $28,000 in change orders broken out into these five categories executed at these dates. Um, it's very clear. Um, it certainly makes bill payment much easier if there's any kind of conflict, the owner's having to approve all of those before we move on. Um, and having that buy-in from your trades, which is, often the most difficult task is getting your trades to buy into, you know, getting you that number back, getting that, that pricing back. But um, mm. it's a bit of a slow process, but it, it pays off. Yeah. I think you're, um, I think that you're basically, I mean, if, if somebody is, has the, uh, the attitude towards that, where it's like, who cares? It's just cost plus. We'll just like, it's fine. They'll pay for it later. They know that it's in the contract they signed. It's like <laughs> customers forget and you might be right, but you're still having that really unfriendly conversation six months later about an extra 10 grand, or maybe it's an extra quarter million, just depending on the scope of the job. Like that stuff can get away pretty quickly. And unfortunately, it is your job as the contractor to over communicate that stuff to them when each of those decisions, add ons, et cetera, gets made. Um, let's go again do you want to weigh in on this like core project management systems thing we're going to do a little show and tell in a second but haven't heard from you in a minute what are your thoughts on on this conversation that that andrew and chris are having 
Yeah. Um, again, I, I've been busy in the chat. There's a lot of chat going around on around this, but I, I think it still comes back to like just over communicating. You just said that there, um, making sure that you over communicate both internally and externally. Um, and I think that a lot of times, you know, contractors that I'm talking to get really good at one or the other, you know, obviously there are some that are really good at both, but I think that's something to strive for is like, Hey, do we have great internal communication from the sales to the production to the quality control team at the end? But then do we also have that great communication uh, piece with, with our clients uh, so you can avoid, like you said, Benji, those unpleasant communication um, of, hey, you the change order and now you owe X number of dollars more um, and not communicating that, you know, in a, re- in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Let's do a little show and tell here. So where's my next slide? There it is. So can you show us one of your favorite project management systems. Chris has the job sales pipeline that we'll look at. Andrew has uh, employment agreements. Okay, so let's just start with some simple stuff. I'm gonna leave PowerPoint for a quick second. Uh, You guys can see my desktop here. So let me open this one. We've bought, we've kind of like blurred out if just sort of like names and few like sort of sensitive information, but Andrew, when you think about like this really simple sort of system, which is literally just a multi-page document outlining the role that a project manager has within Redstag, the responsibilities they're expected to, they're, they're expected to oversee the, the deliverables of the results that they need to hit in order to uh, kind of earn the bonus or, or, or grow within the role. What has something just like outlining the 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 agreements done for for both your business and like your leadership, but then also the individual who fills this role. Sure. Um, so f- for us, this was huge. Um, my two project managers are vastly different. One came out of a a twenty year career in a completely different field. He had almost no construction experience. Um, I actually met him. I built his house five years ago. And I campaigned him for five years to leave his field and, and come work <laughs> for me. And I, I finally got him. So uh, part of it was um, I felt a big responsibility. You know, they became him and his family are friends. So I, I had a big responsibility to make sure that I look after him and that I clearly define what he's doing, what is expected and what his compensation will be and, and um, exactly who we are. I mean, he, a lot of this stuff was already well known to him. Um, but putting it on paper just relieves the stress of the unknown for both myself and for him. Um, the other fella uh, I've worked with for, you know, 15 or more years, um, he came from a site super role, um, which typically isn't a good transition to project management in my mind. Um, I had to clearly define the difference between what he was doing as a site super to a project manager and uh, what his deliverables would be and his accountability. So, uh, it goes from having to crack the whip and keep everybody running smoothly and police the trades to uh, relations with clients and and trades in a different manner of relationship. So clearly outlining that and having them uh, not just read this and sign it, but actually give me feedback on any red flags and then coming to an agreement together uh, has relieved the strain of the unknown for all of us. 
Um, yeah. yeah, it's been huge. Yeah. So this is like, this is, um, this is Red Stag's employment agreement. And you can see there's like, uh, I'd actually just highlight a couple of really important things here. Company values as like a very salient reminder at, at the top, the deliverables and accountabilities are, I would say probably the most important section where, you know, Andrew for his PM, who we've kind of, you know, blurred out here has articulated explicit goals for how much their gross profit needs to be on their projects. What kind of customer satisfaction ratings they're expecting, uh, what kind of training they need to deliver to new employees, daily tasks and updates. It's then articulated in detail in the next section. There's uh, there's a conversation around who they report to, how they get paid, what sort of bonuses they're entitled to, vacation pay, benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This makes um, the job of holding someone accountable later on, should you need to, 10 times easier. Um, and while this doesn't seem like you know rocket science, we're just looking at a Microsoft Word document, this is probably the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to um, just injecting your business with clarity and structure. Okay, I'm gonna be mindful of time. I wanna get to Chris's um, sales pipeline, which I'm just show you is pretty cool. We'll go through this this uh, this this dashboard he built and what it does for the team in a second here. Before we do, uh, as promised, we got to do this like this little run through of the the resources. Um, so I'm just going to ask a, a question to you guys at this stage, and keep in mind there's 30 minutes left to go. But so far, what's been your biggest takeaway for those of you watching, listening at home, wherever you are? Let us know in the chat box what's been sort of like. I don't know, one or two things that you've you've gleaned from this, maybe an action item that you're committed to to following through on in the coming weeks, any gold nuggets that you've picked up here over the last little bit. Uh, form and talk at four, importance of systems, more more apps and software. Good. Okay. Everyone got something. If you're if you're still typing, keep typing. Let us know in the chat box. Let's do a couple um few second mention of company camp gogan i'm gonna lean on you here we've sort of you know alluded to it a few times throughout the, the the conversation today but just give us like the elevator pitch on company camp yeah absolutely so again at the highest level company cams a photo video solution for contractors um it's it's a communication tool and i always i always add the communication caveat in there because you're not taking a photo or a video for right now you're taking it for sometime in the future and generally you're taking it to communicate something to someone else at some point in time um it's cloud-based, so when you use it, no more photos storing on your phone, no more videos on your phone. Uh, it's real-time, so it is available for everyone in your company as the photo or videos are taken. Um, that's usually a big differentiator between the CRMs. A lot of the CRMs that we integrate with have that photo solution, but you have to then upload into the CRM where this mm -hmm is real time. There's no upload with this. It's capture, automatically uploads to the cloud. Um, and it's just extremely easy to use in the field, which anything that's easy to use in the field drives adoption. And when you have adoption, you're gonna get more photos and videos taken. Um, yeah, this is just kind of back on that communication piece. Um, and I talked about it a couple different times in there, but 
being able to communicate both internally and externally is I think the biggest piece um, that contractors struggle with is how do I communicate with my team? How do I keep them on track? How do I make sure that, you know, they have everything that they need when they get there so that my, you know, my salesman's taking the right photos and the right documentation to make sure my production team's showing up with the right things, the right ladders, the right, you know, pieces of equipment to do the job. Um, and then a big one is avoiding customer disputes. Um, yeah. uh, so here's just kind of a quick graphic. I honestly just like the image here. Um, kind of has that Facebook feel, but breaks everything down so that you know, you know, nearby projects, photos, when they took them. Um, and everything, when I say it goes straight to the cloud, everything is sorted by a GPS location. Um, yeah, it's a pretty wicked tool. Um, we are big fans of it. I love the fact that the photos are snapped inside of company cam. In other words, it accesses the camera instead of you taking photos on your camera and then uploading it to Builder Trend or co-construct or whatever that i mean it seems minor but when it comes to the actual use case and you know you have 10 people in the field using it uh can save a whole bunch of disorganization downstream um okay for us like our our role here uh us being breakthrough academy i want to um just talk really quickly about who we are and what we do so we systemize contracting businesses for growth um you know, Andrew and, and Red Stag, like high performance builder, um, Chris uh, with with Royal uh, Heating and Air Conditioning, obviously a different type of different shape of business. But for all intents and purposes, we work with blue collar businesses, uh, construction, roofing, painting, landscaping, a whole mix of specialized trades, some home service businesses as well. And what we help them do is implement the BTA growth system, which is sort of a six part framework that helps companies grow. So we improve financial controls um, with our sort of proprietary MBP file tool, which we're gonna actually have a look at in a second. We structure roles properly so that your project manager knows what they're responsible for. That employment agreement we looked at a second ago is a small part of that. Um, uh, we implement really high quality hiring systems so that you can attract and fill the roles that you need with the eight players that you want instead of feeling like you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. We implement SOPs and training systems so that everyone knows what's going on inside the business. We optimize your sales process so that you're not the only person selling all the time. Um, and you actually have a salesperson or a sales team so that you can kind of CEO the company that you need to rather than being part-time sales guy, part-time uh, job site manager, part-time accountant, and a million other things. And then lastly, we work on your strategic execution, how you set goals, how you break down those goals into years and quarters and months and weeks, even the hours in the day. We get super, super aggressive about block scheduling and where you spend your time. And all of that is in the pursuit of growing your business. So on average, uh, a new member inside Breakthrough Academy increases their revenue by 26% and their net profit by 43%. Project management and the systems we're talking about today have a massive direct impact on that 43% increase in net profit. Altogether, our, like, uh, we have about 550 some odd businesses in Breakthrough Academy right now. Last year, they did about $1.7 billion in revenue. So these are pretty large, like aggregate statistics. These aren't just, this is not a small sample size we're pulling from. There's a, a lot of, a lot of members in Breakthrough Academy. Um, 
we we give the best quality content in the industry uh you know training videos pre-built sops and checklists and systems uh that our members have access to we're going to give you a little sample of that today to take home you work with the industry leading coaches so we have industry specialized um and super focused coaches that help you build that strategic plan, work with you every single week, make sure that the systems are being implemented properly, et cetera. And then we have a really amazing community of people like Andrew and Chris who uh, get to connect, get to go to events. They work together online in their meetings. Uh, we're big believers that leadership is quite lonely and it's actually very cathartic and helpful to be surrounded by peers who get you who run a similar business to you, who are facing the same challenges as you. So um, we have a really kind of targeted profile that we look for, like one to $15 million a year in business, uh, wanting to grow still and needing to build a fully systemized company, develop as a leader, mastermind with peers, be challenged and held accountable uh, and, and wanting to professionalize your industry. So if that sounds like you and you run a business that kind of loosely fits into one of these categories, um, we are absolutely a great solution for you. We're going to send you home with, let me go through the list here. Uh, we've got this employment agreement tool. So Andrew showed you his, we'll send you the template that that was built off of. Um, there will be an accountability dashboard or a GSR dashboard as we call it. Project communication plan, project status update. We've got this user guide from company cam as well, which uh, is super, super helpful. I'll show that in a sec. If you want to just get this whole bundle, you go to trybta.com slash PM 2023. We will post that in the chat box right now. There'll also be a little pop-up that comes on your screen in a second that you can click on. That will take you straight there. At the bottom of this landing page, there are two drop-down fields. So one would, one says, I'd like to learn about how Breakthrough Academy can help my business. If you want to do that, you select I'd like to learn how Breakthrough Academy can help my business and you will be pushed to um, a call scheduling page. If you want to learn how Company Cam can help your business, you select that one. And they're actually offering a really cool thing, 50% off your first two months and then 10% off forever, which is a pretty good deal. And it's not that expensive as is. So um, I'd highly recommend checking out both of those things if one of these either Breakthrough Academy or Company Cam feels like it's more of a fit, you just check one um, and we'll get in touch with you. We'd love to do that. So let's go back to our questions. Let me make sure the pop-up's all fired. Yeah, that looks good. It's in the chat box. Okay, uh, it looks good. Get your resources now. We will come back to this in half an hour, but um, let's go back to the questions. Uh, where was my slides? Here they are. So where we were a second ago was, can you show us one of your favorite project management systems? So Chris, we'll go to you here for a sec. I want to go through this pipeline. This is pretty cool. So this is, you're using, um, you know, a Breakthrough Academy MVP file, but there's a custom tab in here that, you, you know, not every member is uh, using this to the full extent that you are. Take us through this, why you built it, and what it does for the team. Yeah, so uh, Coach John and I really wanted to have a better understanding of Royals estimates for our jobs, what we were estimating, and where our effort was going. 
So we have three different types of leads that we look at. We have service generated jobs. So our service department, you know, says your unit shot and we're going to replace it. We have invitations, which are general contractors we have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And then what I consider plan and spec work, work that, you know, is from an out of town general contractor or maybe somebody we haven't worked with before. Um, so we wanted to know where our, our resources were being pooled what type of jobs we were winning from each, and then understanding our margin on those jobs. So this tool broke out my estimates to tell me where I should be spending my time doing estimates. There's only so much time in a day. And this really broke out for us where um, where that effort should be going. So most of our work is service generated, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, you can see I haven't been any big projects, you know. It, it's all been small work because I've got some some projects coming from last year still that just came into this year due to lead time issues. So it really allows us to make that strategic decision so we don't overbook ourselves and we can deliver on our promises. So you're entering individual bids down here. Yes. That's where I'm scrolling. Those yep. basically tally up here and organized by category. And then you can see sales ratio on each, like you can see, for example, the jobs you're invited to, you close a lot more efficiently than the service leads, 36% versus 28. Yep. You can see average job, average bid size, average average win size or average job size. So really cool. Like I'm sure to the people at home, like, okay, that's, this looks awesome. Also looks like a bunch of Excel, uh, which I guess it is, but it's, we, you know, we can teach you this and you can learn this pretty quickly. What does it do for the team having this level of visibility into what's, out in front of them. So this portion specifically I use as our estimator and I share it with our lead installers. So they get excited about what's coming up in the pipeline. Mm. So, you know, a lot of times uh, your guys wonder what's the next job or they, they, you know, sit on the milk carton for the last five hours of the day to drag their job out because they don't know what's coming up. But I share this with with my lead guys so they know, hey, look, guys, we're bidding work. We've got work coming in and we're ready to schedule it. So, you know, I think Andrew was talking about how much revenue can you can you fit through your overhead in a year? This is a tool to show our guys how we do that. And I am going to steal that term from you, Andrew, because I think it's really good. Um, it creates some urgency. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really cool. Uh, anything else you'd say about this? Just this this um, this job sales pipeline was it hard yeah. to set up? Like, oh, it's it was really easy. Coach John uh, did a lot of legwork with me on this, and um, I think he's been able to share it with a bunch of other members. So, yeah. um, hopefully, it's helped a lot of people. But you know, understanding your average job size, and then your average bid versus one size is important too, you know, and that can give us clues into, are we overpricing certain jobs in certain areas? Sure. So it's been the feedback and and understanding what we're doing has been really important. It's been critical to our growth. It's really good. Um, Gogan, I've got this, I've got this little uh, PDF from you guys. I'll just, I'll just kind of full, full screen this. Do you want me to walk through these, these three slides and like how this fits into company cam and how to use this, this feature? Yeah, absolutely. So we basically pulled these three slides together to kind of fit with the topic of project management here. 
Um, I'm going to give Chris a lot of inspiration for this with his four uh, foreman talk at four. And I was just like, man, we can even make this a more efficient process. Um, and so a new feature with company cam, you can see the little new flag there is project templates. And so um, essentially this is what the screen would look like when, where you create these caveat, you do create these from the web. So these templates can be utilized then in all of your projects. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially you go in, you add a description to said uh, project template, and then you can add the checklists or reports or whatever need to be completed on that specific type of job. Uh, so for whatever type of job you're working on, you name that as the project template, and then you just add that into that said job every single time. Uh, so the next slide, we just threw some um, dummy ones in there. Um, but what I can tell you is Breakthrough Academy, we've made some uh, checklists with Breakthrough. Um, hopefully now that we have project templates, we can even make more uh, checklists with them. Um, but just a couple that we threw in there, daily site reports. That's, um, I don't remember who I was chatting with earlier, but you know, using your checklist for that daily uh, site report, whether it's the four at four or, you know, maybe it's even your daily safety audit or whatever it is. Another one that contractors are using uh, is Toolbox Talk. And we could go down the whole rabbit hole of OSHA and all that fun stuff. But, you know, what better way to prove that my team is doing their uh, Toolbox Talk every day than adding that checklist to the project template so that, you know, hey, I've got a photo and a couple notes from my toolbox talk every single day. Uh, so a lot to, to unpack there, um, but a lot of awesome stuff that you can really add efficiency layers to your, your uh, you know, project management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, complying pe that compliance piece is major too. Um, Okay, next question for us to unpack here as a group is, is what does great project management look like in your business? Um, Chris, let's start with you. Yeah, so um, uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, one of our core values is family first. And I know that that may not be what you're thinking when you hear great project management, but it really goes down through our business from top to bottom. So I'm married, I've got two young boys. And to me, great project management is when I go home and I'm present for my six-year-old and one and a half-year-old, and I can play Avengers and coach T-ball and not think about, you know, did I order that uh, rooftop unit for that customer? Or I've got a project meeting tomorrow. How am I going to explain that to the general contractor? I don't want to think about those things. I want to be there for my wife and my kids. And the same thing with my employees. Great project management is bringing the job in on time. So my guys have balance. A lot of our technicians um, and, and installers, I hired eight, 10 years ago when I started at Royal and they now, you know, got them out of high school and they now have wives and young families. And it's important to me to send them home. So they only work 40 hours a week and they're not taking their Saturday away from their kids. Mm -hmm. So family first through and through, that's how we do our business. And, you know, great project management starts with those values. Um, I feel like in your answer, what I'm hearing is there's like a level of calmness, a level of control. Um, I realize it's not like, it's not like hiccups don't happen and fires oh. don't erupt, but there's some infrastructure built around putting those out more efficiently. Um, and I wonder like how 
pronounced of an effect that has had on your ability to build a team? Like I always, like, I think a lot of people, you hear this, you've, um, you've heard this expression before, like people don't leave their job, they leave your boss. The other thing, another way, maybe way to say that in, in these businesses, they don't leave their job, they leave like a really stressful environment and they're looking for a less stressful one. Have you had any feedback from your team, even new employees that are like, oh, you know what? I love working here. Uh, not necessarily because of the pay or the uniforms or the trucks, but it's like, it's less of a shit show. Like, is, is that a thing uh, with, with your people? Absolutely. So my my dad has had guys work for him for 35 years from the start of their career to their retirement. And I think that's the biggest thing you can say about how you treat people. And then the younger guys that I've hired, um, they're now recommending their friends to come work for us, you know, and it really makes recruiting easy. And it also makes culture easy because the guys bring in other guys that they want to work with. And they may not even have HVAC experience, you know, whether they're in the office or sales or in the field, but they have the values that fit our company and we can plug them in. So we really don't even need to look for people. They kind of come to us and we end up with a core group of guys that, you know, when one of our guys got married last year and four of us were in the wedding and the entire company's invited to the wedding. And, you know, those are the kind of things that we look back on is, you know, we're doing something right. That's pretty cool. Yep. That's pretty cool. Um, Andrew, for you and Redstag, what, what does good project management look like in your business? How does it feel to run the operation that you run now compared to how it used to? Yeah, I would probably echo a lot of what Chris has said. Um, you know, some of the big things that have changed, like uh, you mentioned recruiting, Chris, um, we don't actively look for people anymore. Um, you know, people are trying to get jobs at Red Stag locally. Uh, and I think that that's directly related to how we're managing the, the project. Everybody feels a difference. The All of our sub trades, our suppliers are recommending us because we're organized and we have good communication with them. Uh, we have good referrals from our clients. I mean, I get people that are looking for jobs that, you know, had a family friend that had a home built by Red Stag. Um, also returning employees. So I've had employees that have left to do something different and come back after years. And they tell us how much different things are running now and how much less frantic it feels. Uh, a, a phrase that we use a lot is we're far more pro proactive now than reactive. So contracting can often feel very reactive. You're just doing things on the fly. You're reacting to situations and putting out fires. We don't have that feeling anymore. There's certainly elements of that during the week that might come up little things, but um, it's, you use the word Benji calm. That's definitely a, you know, the feeling that's in the office, nothing's frantic. So um, that that's been the biggest change is the overall feel. And I saw somebody put in the chat there, they're asking about the PMs family. Like <clears throat> my PMs taken off for five days, leaving tomorrow. We didn't even, uh, we didn't even balk at that. I was like, yeah, go every you're covered because our, our management system we can cover you um i was down sick for 24 hours yesterday i didn't think about what i couldn't cover for the first time in 10 years in my yeah. business my guys had it covered you can't put a price on that um to go to sleep at night and not wake up every morning at two or three in the morning with the list of things that you forgot to do or or the thing that you just figured out we rely heavily on each other we support each other so um, not that it's been identified as one of our core values, but family's huge. And, I, and we say family first too. Every, all the way down the chain, right through our 
our carpenters and our laborers um, because the jobs are run smoothly and uh, they also have a, a different level of security in their work. They're not worried about whether we're going to have work lined up for them in the next two weeks or, or two years. Um, you can't put a price on that either. And that breeds a lot of loyalty. I have a very, very strong sense of loyalty within the company. And I don't mean that, that I would, you know, use that to our advantage, but um, uh, there's, there's a real strong sense of community here, which is one of our uh, core, core values. So when you feel like you belong, you, you're going to, you're going to excel, you're going to produce better work. You're going to excel in your home life. And that's what we want. We want all of our peers and our employees and our um, contacts to, to excel at home as well. And it, it, it sounds kind of cliche, but if you can manage projects effectively and relieve all that strain, um, you can really affect the lives of people around you. Yeah. I'm sure you don't miss the frantic night terrors. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. Uh, it's just like staring at the ceiling being like, I know I've forgotten something, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Um, we were talking offline guys about this idea. And I think it's worth just like lobbing out to the group. Like, I feel like there's a bit of a myth that circulates in the minds of a lot of contractors, which is you can't make money and like be human and be and care about people. And they'll sort of like use that rationale to, I don't know, avoid implementing systems that will help um, avoid getting into financial tracking, avoid getting into PM systems because there's sort of this story they tell themselves that if they do that, they're going to become this like fortune 500, like lifeless, you know, entity, which I think is just, I think is not a massive oversimplification of the, the truth. If you guys know what I'm talking about, you want to maybe weigh in on that, that belief system that isn't serving the people that have it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. I heard somebody say this on a podcast the other day, right? you know, I don't want to, I don't want to work out because I don't want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. It's kind of like what you were just saying, right? Like that's a great, that's a great parallel. Same thing. Yeah. Like you can still work out and be healthy, but it doesn't mean you're going to look like Arnold. There's a huge gray area in the middle, you know, and if you truly live your values and don't just say them, you have to live them. They have to be real. You can make money, have less stress and treat your people right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to look like Arnold. I fortunately don't look like Arnold. I don't think I'm anywhere in the territory of looking like Arnold. <laughs> um, but I still go to the gym three times a week. I'm there um, with you. I don't look like Arnold either, but I'm at yeah. the gym three times a week too. There's a new Netflix series out on him. I got to watch that. I'm sure it's probably really, really good. Um, Arnold aside, Andrew, your thoughts on this? <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's sort of, I think I identified as the heart versus machine. Um, I was probably one of those people that felt very strongly about uh, keeping the business very small, keeping a core crew of like two or three guys, because I felt like I didn't want to pervert that. I didn't want to turn into the, you know, some of these companies that I had worked for throughout my career, or I had seen people get homes built by and got the feedback where it just felt like they were dealing with an entity and not a person. Uh, so I, I resisted horsepower for a lot of years. Um, and what I learned was that um, in service, value is uh, more important than uh, your ideals sometimes. So um, I found a very good balance um, 
and it's it's a bit of faith. You got to take a bit of a leap of faith to start implementing these things and see how they'll affect your life. Uh, and that and that should be noted. Like, uh, there's no benefit to uh, Chris or Michael and I being here. Uh, we're not getting uh, you know compensated by uh, BTA. I think we're probably here for the same reasons that when you learn this stuff, you want other people to have an improved quality of life, and and that's why we're taking time out of our day to do it. Uh, I don't gain anything by you guys checking out or or getting involved with BTA other than the fact that I'll know that I've helped some people in my community. So, um, yeah, I, I really believe that, um, you can definitely scale. And, uh, and if you want to argue this point that, uh, you know, rich people don't make a difference, well then get rich and make a difference in your community, you know? So put your money where your mouth is like, you know, if you have the ability to do it, then, then do it. I love that. Um, Okay, we'll do a quick. We'll do a quick one, and then I want to get. We've got a sort of a, a pile up here of, of questions from from the audience that we've not answered yet. Uh, so just a quick hit closing question, um, Andrew. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? Uh, you guys, you, you, you kind of prepped us for this question. I didn't even take note, but I was thinking about this morning, and um, I'll quote a great movie: uh, "If you build it, they will come." So uh, I think now if I were to start earlier, I would have said I, I would have started building Red Stag to what it is much earlier. I wouldn't have waited. I feel like I just drugged my heels for a long time to, to do the things I needed to do. So I think I would have done that sooner and I would have had these killer employees come to this company much sooner and, and we would have been further along. But um, that's the biggest change for me. Don't I, I wouldn't have... It, it felt so daunting to do that. And now I realize it's just, I think I heard it from BTA first, but how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You just, you just start doing it. So that's about it for me. It's a good answer. Chris. Yeah. You, none of you, none of us are alone and there's help for us. You know, <laughs> all of us contractors are in the same spot. We have the same problems. Whether you're 250,000 a year in revenue and work on your own, or you have 60 employees at you know 30 million, everybody has problems. Everybody has systems issues. You know, you always will. But there's help out there. There's other contractors in your area that can support you. You know, even if you're not in a community like BTA, mm. start a community of of local business owners. Some of my best friends now are are competitors and local business owners, and you know we have an abundance mentality. And we share information because in reality, what it's about is everybody improving their life, whether it's business or personal and getting the most out of it. Yeah, I think um, I think something you hit on there is like needing to block out the negative chatter. There's so much. There's a lot of I hate to say this. I'm not picking on anyone in particular. But like there's a lot of excuse make a lot of excuse making in in construction and trades, whether it's like millennials suck or customers are the worst or this supplier is an idiot or whatever. And it's like, I think there's a level of catharsis and it feels good to maybe crack a joke every once in a while, but we just seen so many examples of, of solutions to all these problems. I just don't really believe that any of them are insurmountable. They're, they're hard, but um, they're, they're solvable. And I think the less time you spend listening to, you know, people externalize factors and blame other things, the better off you are. Gogan, you, you want to weigh in on this final question before we get to Q&A? 
Yeah. Um, so my perspective is obviously a little bit different um, being that I'm not directly in the contracting world, but I think the big thing when I think about where I was at in my role seven years ago with company cam and I was a single digit employee and we have 225 employees now. So I've seen, seen that crazy growth. Um, I wish I would have looked bigger picture sooner. Um, you know, I was, I was in the cold calling stage when I first started and I was like, okay, I'm just booking demos one by one here. And, and obviously you have to do those things, but like even listening to Chris and Andrew's like journey, I like, they both both basically said that same thing too. It was like, man, I wish I would have zoomed out to 10,000 feet and like had like that end in mind and not, not necessarily the end, but like end result, where do I want to get? Um, and started acting on that sooner because it took me, took me several years before I looked and said, Hey, where do I want the end of 2024 to be as far as like what my team is producing? Um, and when I first started, it was like, man, if I could just book a demo with this next call, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, start with the end of mind. Think bigger picture earlier. Okay. Let's get to some quick fire questions. we got a bunch of them that are kind of piling up here. This is a question for Andrew. How do you think about the type and scale of projects that you pursue um, given that experience with the big gun? Was that from Byron? Yeah, I think Byron's left the chat, but I was uh, I was sending him a cheeky text while we were talking here. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it was intimidating after that experience, um, taking on very large scope projects. But what we target is what we're suited for. So uh, really high level, high detail and uh, something that's true in our industry, at least we feel this way that Sometimes the smaller jobs are as much work as the bigger jobs. Um, There's still the same level of detail, just in a smaller scale. So uh, bigger jobs aren't intimidating as much anymore, if at all. I think we just look at it like an elephant. We just start breaking it down and you find a way. Awesome. Um, next question is for, uh, this is from Brooke. I think it's just to anyone. I'm a small company and our sales guys sometimes project manage too. Is that a no-no due to the hidden damage that could come up that needs to be billed for, but the sales guys rather eat that cost? Is it a no-no to have your sales guy manage projects also? I don't think so. As long as you set the ground rules, right? You you give them a framework to work within. Again, it, it comes back to the system. So we don't have a full-time project manager at Royal. I am our project manager on the front end. I handle the estimating, uh, you know, the customer interaction and the relationships with vendors. And then I turn it over to a, a project coordinator warehouse manager who sources uh, materials. I have an office manager who communicates with customers through the project. And my lead installers take on the on-site project management role. So mm-hmm. whoever you have do it, as long as they have the guidelines that that you set out for them, they can be successful. Question from Jordan. Um, this is probably a good question for Andrew. PMs versus site supers. What's the difference between the responsibilities of those two roles for construction companies? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's easily... Uh, gets fuzzy. Um, yeah. Site super, I see that they're, they're day-to-day policing 
quality control, looking after the details that have been handed down from the project manager. So the PM is really involved more in the coordination of that job and the detailing and the information. Um, and then the site super is basically taking that information, implementing it on site with the trades and their, you know, the other staff there. And then also really good feedback to what is happening or, or problems that are arising on site that goes back up the chain to the PM to, to make those adjustments. But they're, they're very different roles. You can have a site super who starts dabbling in some project management, but then they're going to be more reactive. They're going to be doing it from the time frame that they know versus my PMs are working on jobs that aren't starting until spring 2024 right now. Uh, so to me, that's the difference. The, the site super is working right now in the now and the, the PMs working on what's coming and uh, and then also wrapping up what's already done. As I really like that breakdown. Uh, that's super helpful. Uh, and, and, and by the way, like a lot of people are, I think, sometimes looking for a super defined answer for their business where it's like, tell me exactly what it ought to be. Like, you know, these terms are at the end of the day, just terms. An office manager in one business can look wildly different than an office manager in another business. So, you know, you do need to customize this and tweak it for your own business. But I think that idea of like future focus and wrapping up what's finished focus versus what's happening today for the site supers, maybe some good broad strokes to follow. We'll do one more here. Can you discuss project management hiring? And I think the question is more so like who, what kind of person makes a good project manager? And probably the flip side is worth talking about for a second. What kind of person makes a really bad project manager? Anyone want to take that? I can tell you what makes a bad project manager. Okay, let's hear that. That's, that's, you know, me as the sales guy, right? The guy who gets in and says, yes, Mr. General Contractor, yes, Miss General Contractor, we'll take care of that for you. You know, you got to be willing to stand up for yourself, stand up for your company and stand up for your company's profitability. You have to have people that are willing to say, no, let's take a step back and look at this. Yeah, very good. Uh, Andrew, what is a good project? What do you look for in a good project manager? Um. <clears throat> Analytics and um, passion without emotion. <laughs> so um, break things down so they're clear to everybody without there being emotion tied to it. And and um, lay out a clear plan. Building for us is 50% planning and 50% execution. So I need somebody, I have people who uh, put a huge weight into planning the execution of the work and then, and then allowing the people who execute that work to do it in their manner um, and not interfering with uh, how they do that on site. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, this was said really well on the last round table we did. You're looking for someone who really enjoys puzzles and is actually okay with like never quite solving them. It's like yep. an evergreen puzzle. Like if you, if you, if someone like needs a start and a finish to everything and they need that kind of like big hurrah moment where it's like, we're done. It's like our, our work here is finished and they need that like sigh of relief. You don't really get that much of it as a project manager. So you need, it's not saying the projects don't finish, but then there's always the next one and the next one and the next one. So you sort of need to be in this, like um, you're, you're, you love solving problems and puzzles in almost a permanent fashion and, and don't need those big size of relief along the way. Um, 
Okay, we got to leave it at that, guys. I'm sorry. I know there's questions we didn't get to. I, I apologize for that. You can email info at btacademy.com with those if you want, um, and we can get back to you. We are going to – I'm just going to give everyone a really quick reminder. Um, go to this landing page if you haven't yet. Can we throw that back on screen, please, Aaron? This one. Um, trybta.com slash pm2023. We'll do the pop-up on screen one more time. Uh, it will put it, post in the chat box one more time. You can get your bundle of goodies that we kind of talked about and outlined today, which are yours to take home and play around with and hopefully implement into your business. If you want help implementing those things into your business because your business is growing quickly, you want the additional support for any other reason, Breakthrough Academy is an unbelievably good resource to start with. Uh, book a call with us. Let's do a strategy session. If you're looking for some like tech support on this side of things and you want uh, a really cool tool that will help with this as well, get Company Cam. Once again, 50% off for two months and then 10% off forever. Trybta.com slash PM2023. And there it is in the chat box again. Um, I also would love it if uh, like the 200 some odd of you left. Can we, if we can just give a really quick thank you to Andrew and Chris and Michael these guys, you know, we've done an hour and a half today. We prepped for an hour last week. I mean, it's it's um, quite a large amount of time that we've put together to prep this, and 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 they've shared um, their very very valuable minutes and hours with us to do this. So if you guys can just give a quick thank Andrew and Chris and Michael, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you guys for being here. Really appreciate it, and we will see you all next time. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, if you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.